This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportstalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, welcome into Sports Talk, everybody. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Hope you had a great weekend. What a busy weekend it was, and we got so much to talk about. And we'll take a lot of your phone calls, as we do Monday nights, 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number for you here on Sports Talk. Phil Kornblut here in Columbia, Joshua Cohen handling the producing this week because Pat Daniel... Pat Daniel had the nerve to go on vacation. So he is off on vacation. I think it's a work-related vacation, but uh, vacation nonetheless. And Chris Bergen with us from the Bergie Palace. And he has the nerve, the nerve to go on vacation next week, but not just vacation. (laughs) Going to Hawaii. Have you already bought your... uh, you know, everything that you need to, to go to Hawaii, all the things that's required to go to Hawaii? I, I hope so. I hope we have them on hands. Probably have to get some sunscreen. I haven't had to use that in a while. I did get my first email from somebody in Hawaii today regarding they have a luau plan for the uh, two teams and then everybody else who wants to go. Uh, the I guess it's on the 20th of next week. So got some details on that which was kind of cool. I never had an email that opened up and said aloha before. So that was kind of fun. Yeah, yeah really looking forward to next week. How many days will the team be out there? They are leaving on the 18th and then coming back right after the game on the 23rd. All right. So what's that? 5 18 19 20 21 6 days I guess. Uh, sounds like All fun. All told. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, us little people, we will be back here and we'll be uh trying to keep the lights on for you. And make sure that the show that. continues to uh, to move <laughs> forward. All right, what a weekend. What a weekend. Going back to Friday night, uh, Furman. Man, what an effort wow. they put forth out there at Montana. Uh, Clay Hendricks is going to be with us at 730. And uh, they just did a great job. They just couldn't finish. Um, what a gutsy call. Too bad they couldn't run the play, but a gutsy call to mm-hmm. go for two after that touchdown, he was ready to end it right then and there. Maybe he sensed that overtime was not going to be in their best interest. No, and I've, I've you, you can go back and forth with this. I, I remember Clinton High School following them for many, many years. Normally their philosophy was always in high school football, if you've got a chance to win it, go for it, go for two, end the game right there. We're not going any further. We're not going to overtime. If this is the first overtime and we've got a chance to end it, let's end it now. And I think that's what Clay Hendricks did. You've got to tip your cap to him. I wish they'd have been able to run the play instead of having a penalty that sort of forced their hand, kick it, and then in, in overtime just uh, couldn't make that, that final play. They needed to extend it. But the, the guts that they had, Phil, to come back after giving up an opening kickoff return for a touchdown mm. the very first play of the game, and then they drive 75 yards on their first possession in four plays to tie it. And you and I had chatted on Friday about uh, first team to 21 probably would win the game. I, at that point in time, I was thinking first team to 70 because these were two of the best defenses in the uh, country, and they settled in and started to play much better on both sides. And I just, I just hated it ended for Furman. And you just wonder 
had they not lost to Wofford and that game was in Greenville as opposed to in Missoula, Montana, would that have made a difference for them? Really? Mm-hmm. You think they would have been They would have been probably the number two seed, wouldn't they? I, I think so, yeah. Absolutely yeah. would yeah. have been. Yeah, because they were way up there. Uh, all right, and then, of course, Saturday we had the annual Touchstone Energy Cooperatives Bowl, number 76, down in Myrtle Beach. We had a terrific time. That game got a little testy. I mean, we had – we had some altercations in that game, things you don't ordinarily see in an all-star game. Uh, we had some, some, some kids get a little bit out of control on the field to the point where they had to be uh, talked to a little bit. But the action was good. Everybody had a great time. The crowd was terrific. The weather was perfect and really enjoyed the game and enjoyed our time at the beach last week with the annual Touchstone Energy Cooperatives Bowl. And, of course, at halftime, Josiah Thompson from Dillon was named Mr. Football in South Carolina. We'll hear from him a little bit later on in the show. Richie Altman, part of our broadcast crew, did a halftime interview with him. So we'll bring that to you here during the program. As I mentioned, Clay Hendricks as well. Today, the Shrine Bowl practices got underway in Spartanburg. We'll do more on that and also over the weekend, Clemson, now number 13 in the AP ranking. Impressive win on the road over a previously undefeated TCU team in Toronto. The Tigers are for real. They've had a yeah, number are. of tests. I think they've passed all the tests of realdom. This is no accident. This is no uh, flash-in-the-pan kind of start. They look like they've got some staying power. I, I would agree. And uh... – what was that stat that Timber Race sent out? Because they jumped 11 spots, Phil. I think it's taken a while for some people to start to believe and buy into what Brad Brownell is doing, but they can play defense. They're very good on offense right now. They're executing extremely well. That 11-spot jump, according to Timber Ray in the AP poll, is the largest improvement from one poll to the next in Clemson history. Previous was eight spots back in the mid-'80s, mid-'90s, and then the mid-to-late-2000s. But And I think it's valid. I think it's very valid. With the wins they've got, they're number one or number two in the RPI. They're certainly in the top ten, I think, in the net rankings right now. I mean, they're a very, very good basketball team. And they get a chance again this coming weekend to add to their resume. They go to Memphis, whatever you think of Memphis, mm-hmm. that's going to be a quality road opponent. Mm-hmm. And if, if they can pull another one, win, win like that off before they get into the meat of their ACC play, I don't think their resume is going to hold them back this year. Uh, if they don't get into the NCAA tournament, it will be because they didn't play well enough in ACC play. But their non-conference resume will stack up against anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, USC women remain number one in the AP poll, and why wouldn't they? They continue to destroy everything in their path. And, of course, uh, today we began the second week of free agency in college football, wild and woolly. And South Carolina got commitments from two players who were in for official visits over the weekend. Jerome Simmons, a huge defensive tackle out of Highland Junior College in Kansas, also a native of Bamberg. He's a former Red Raider from Bamberg Earhart. Here was a guy that was not recruited at all coming out of high school, did not make the Shrine Bowl, did not make the North-South game, went to junior college to improve his football status, and he's done just that. And after visiting over the weekend, he commits to the Gamecocks this morning. He'll be signing in the spring, so not a mid-year enrollee, which will be something he'll have to overcome. And then this afternoon, Jared Brown, somebody you know extremely well, Chris, Mm -hmm. former Coastal Carolina receiver, 
who was in over the weekend for South Carolina. He commits to the Gamecocks. So they've gotten two of the ten who visited over the weekend. What do you know about Brown? Brown is going to be a nice addition, I think, to the uh, wide receiving room. And right now, you and I could be nice additions to their wide receiving room, Phil, considering what they've lost here the uh, past couple of weeks with both Xavier Leggett and announcing for the NFL draft and, then, of course, Juice Wells deciding he's going to transfer. But Jared Brown, his speed alone made him to the point where Coastal could not not play him. Pardon the double negative, mm. but he had to be on the field because he's the fast. He was one of the fastest guys on their team, probably just behind Braden Bennett. And he's a playmaker. They they tried to get him the football any way possible, whether it be to hand it off to him on a sweep, throw it to him, and just see how far he could run down the field. He is a he's a guy that can stretch the field for South Carolina, and I think that that probably won't get the same ballyhoo that if they get Rocket Sanders, and uh, for a lot of reasons. But I think that's going to be a nice nice pickup by Shane Beamer and his team. Yeah, some of the Gamecock message board folks thought that when Beamer sent out his second um, welcome home uh, commitment alert uh, today, the one from yesterday, then one today, they thought, oh, you know, word started passing uh, through the message boards that it was going to be Raheem Rocket Sanders, but Mm -hmm. not yet. I mean, they might eventually get him. Who knows? He's a prized commodity out there, and he's going to be costly. He's going to take a big chunk out of somebody's NIL budget. Is do you have enough to compensate him? And, and you know, this has become very similar to what uh, college college baseball coaches are probably sitting back and going, see Smiley. what we had yep. to do all these years. <laughs> you give us uh, eleven and what was it, eleven point seven scholarships to split up among thirty guys or twenty five guys, and now you see you've got you know you don't have an infinite amount of. NIL money, but whatever you've got, you've got to split it up uh, and make sure the the best get the most to try to get them, and then you've got to try to keep everybody else happy. But what's puzzling is when you got a guy like Mario Anderson, all right, who emerged this year as your top running back, and now he's in free agency, and he tweeted out today that he's choosing between Oklahoma, Southern Cal, University of California, and Memphis. Don't know what Memphis is doing in there. Maybe there's a connection. But uh, when you're talking about we know heavy spenders like Oklahoma and Southern Cal, I mean, what are they throwing that South Carolina couldn't match? South Carolina perhaps could have solved their own issue by just paying him and keeping him. Uh, instead, um, you know, they let him walk. Now they're probably going to have to spend more on Raheem Sanders, I would say. I would say Rocket Sanders – demands a lot more from an NIL market than uh, Mario Anderson does. There's no question because he has proven himself as an SEC caliber running back and has had a great I, – I think he didn't have quite the season this year that he did, what, two years ago at, at Arkansas, but he's been a tremendous running back and very sought after. And it's somebody – you ask the question, what is it going to take to get somebody like Rocket Sanders for South Carolina? Phil, I think the question is how can you not spend whatever it takes – because considering their running back situation, you almost have to flood the market and, and figure out a way to whatever it takes to get him. You cannot let him go by the board because I think he would be a difference maker for them. If he has blocking. All right. Well, that, that would help. Now, do you spend <laughs> more money? Help. Do you spend more money? Here's what you have to think about. Do you spend more of your NIL dollars on putting together the best offensive line that you can with what you've got coming in? And they've got, of course, some highly regarded freshmen coming in, and they've got some folks returning on the offensive line, too, 
who were freshman starters who, who should figure into the starting lineup next year. Do you spend your money there and spend a little less for a good but maybe not great running back but hope that the offensive line is good enough to make a good running back a better running back? It's a great question. And I think probably the, the smart money goes on protecting your quarterback, opening up holes for your run game, and giving your quarterback a chance to throw the football, and that would be your offensive lineman. But again, Patrick Mahomes makes a whole lot more money than his center does, fairly or unfairly. That's just the, the makeup of football now. And But I, th- I agree with you. I think I'd go out and if you can find somebody, I think Mario Anderson would have been a great example, a great study, somebody who has worked his way up to the point where he was considered an SEC caliber running back, give him a – very good offensive line in front of him, SEC caliber plus, an elite offensive line, see what he could have done. Maybe don't go spend a bunch of money on, on the guy who may only be with you for one year. Try and, but I, I think that ship has sailed too. I don't know that we're in that situation anymore. You've got to go spend what you can for this coming year and not worry about 2025 and 2026. And by the way, speaking of guys who uh, play behind an offensive line or, or you know with the NIL money, Drake May has announced here in the last five minutes, Phil, the quarterback in North Carolina, he's going into the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. And maybe the number one or number two overall pick and may have to stare at the Chicago Bears. Oh, <laughs> boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> But you know Justin Fields played well for them yesterday. Yeah, I agree. That was I heard a an interesting conversation. Surprisingly about good win. Surprisingly mm-hmm. good win by them over the the Detroit Lions. Yeah, uh, I heard an interesting conversation about him and whether or not you stick with him and maybe trade out of the number one spot and get enough picks that you can fill the rest of your roster with some guys that could actually help him because Justin Fields may be your quarterback for the future. It may not be a situation where they have to dump on him and go get Caleb Williams or Drake May now. Okay, our phone number, 888-898-2525, also in recruiting. Clemson got a commitment this morning the old-fashioned way from a high school guy. You know, we forget about, we're so caught up in the free agency of the veterans and the transfers, you forget a little bit about the high school guys out there in the 24-25 classes. Clemson got uh, Marquise Henderson today from Belton Honeypath, and uh, Belton Honeypath, of course, had a great year, and he's a big reason for that. And he is a running back up there who rushed for over 2,300 yards and 37 touchdowns. But Clemson says they like him as a maybe a slot guy or a cornerback. Uh, he is an athlete, and he has no trouble uh, playing at various spots. Now, they already have an outstanding running back committed in Gideon Davidson, and they have other running backs coming in. And they still have the two veterans if they both come back. So they're in pretty good shape at the running back spot. But if things don't work out for him at a position, you could see him one day slide back to running back. Of course, they probably told Gideon Davidson, you're going to be the only running back we take in the class. Even though we're taking another running back, we'll just call him a a slot or a corner until we have to make him a running back if the need arises. So, you know. Not suggesting that Clemson would be misleading by any means there, but it is recruiting, and there is a lot of misleading that goes on in recruiting. Hard for me to believe that a guy that good at running back doesn't end up playing running back for you at Clemson. But, you know, time will tell. He's that good of an athlete. Uh, he can play other positions. And I don't know. If, if I'm told by Dabo Sweeney that I've got a choice right now to play on the offensive side of the ball with Clemson or the defensive side of the ball with the Tigers, I think I might start leaning towards defense too. I get it. He's a, a very talented running back, but if he gets a chance to play on that defense and the job that Clemson has done over the years of putting any position 
you know, front four linebackers, anybody in the secondary into the NFL. I'm not so sure I turned that opportunity down. All right, let's get to some phone calls. Hear what you've got to say from the weekend, and we'll uh, touch on some other uh, major items as well. And, of course, a complete recruiting report coming up, too. Phone number, 888-898-2525. That is the South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number for you here on Sports Talk. So let's get it rolling on the phone lines. And first up is going to be, um, I don't know what BR, what B, BM, BM from Simpsonville? Burn. Burn? It should be Burn, yeah. Burn or Vern? Oh. Vern from Bishopville, not Burn from Simpsonville. It's Vern. See, I have to interpret huh? your writing, and you have to interpret Vern's uh, English. Yeah. Vern from Bishopville. <laughs> well, listen, it, right? I couldn't hear very well. Vern, what's going on? Uh, oh, hi, how you doing? How y'all doing? You're doing fine, I, Vern. Yes, what I figure is going on is stuff at USC. It's stuff at the football team. Mm-hmm. Because the way I see and stuff, I heard somebody say last week that uh, the head coach was going and putting the players off the team, but he didn't put off Juice, uh, 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 what in there, Juice Wells and, and, and Mario Anderson and Nigel Blake. I bet you he didn't ask them to leave, but they left anyway, didn't they? They did. Yeah. You know why? You know why they, all the players and stuff leaving? Why is that, not satisfied with the huh? Why is that? Because they're not satisfied with what the head coach is doing. And so his philosophy uh, and vision is not uh, uh, what they think they'll be winners and stuff and like that. I yep. mean, I'm going to just be honest. Yeah. And so what, what, do you think, what do you think the vision is? The vision is to go out there and stuff and like that. You work real hard and stuff. And then when, you, when time to play, you go up there, he choose all the other players to play and stuff and like that. And, and, and the and the guys on the team already say, well, just like Omega Blake, I, every time I hear, he going to be on the start. He going to be a starter. He wanted the best wide receiver on the team. That didn't happen. Uh-uh. Those young guys and stuff, they're not crazy. You know it didn't happen. You used to hear the same thing about Omega Blake, didn't you? Of course you did. But anyway, and stuff like that, uh, he's he using the same path. You know, you remember Willie uh, Mushamp? You remember him, right? Uh, I recall him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Beeman using that same path. You know, he already write his ticket out the door. But, you know, that is me saying it. But, you know, hey, I'm pretty good at predicting the future. Y'all be blessed. And you know, I hope all of them good luck, all the players, because they got the worst coaching staff in the SEC. Oh. Beeman and his staff. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> okay, Bye-bye. Vern. Okay. All right. Bye. Thank you, Vern. Appreciate that. Uh, triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. There's only one way to counter the negativism. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> There's only one way to counter the negativism of Vern on the Gamecocks, and that is to counter with Gamecock Larry. All right, Gamecock Larry, welcome in. Hope you're doing well. Gamecock Larry, are Hello. you there, sir? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Gamecock Larry, man from uh, wherever you're from, you don't know what in the world you're talking about. Talking about the worst coaching staff. I'm going to tell you something, Vern. If you get any problems or you want to talk to about my coaching staff, you call Phil, get my number, and you call Gamecock Larry. 
I'm waiting on you to call me, Bird, from Simpsonville. But now let's get through with it. I'm, I'm just getting my senses back, Mr. Field. Yeah, you sound good. You away. sound good. Uh, yes, sir, I am fired up. And burn from Stumptonville doesn't get him it's, bi- uh, it's Bishop. It's Bishopville. Bishopville. I don't care where he's from. Give him my number. I don't care where he's from. All right, let me give him the number. Hang on, hang on. The number, Vern, is 1-800-CALL-LARRY. 1-800-CALL-LARRY. Now, Mr. Phil, i got to talk to you a little bit about it. I mean, I've been out of it for the last couple of weeks. So I'm, I'll, I'll, be in, I'll admit, I might have called you and I might have done it, but I don't remember the Clemson game. But I've always said Clemson was about a year ahead of us in talent, in basketball. But what I understand and what I listen, what I got every people talking about, we give you all that game. Y'all ain't that good. Yeah, y'all are pretty good. But we ain't, we gave you that game. We should have whipped you by at least 10 points. Mm. But let me see what else I got. Boy, I feel, burn. you done got me fired up. Mm. Cool. This is... Uh, wake up and shine, Vern. You got game crack Larry on the line. <laughs> I love all y'all. <laughs> Feel good. Okay. I'm getting back to my old, getting back to my old self. Love yes. all y'all. Yes, Thanks you are. You later. Thank you, Larry. <laughs> Man. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Chris. I, I don't know I'm what not. they gave him over the weekend, but <laughs> they need to share it with the rest of the population. That stuff's good. Maybe a situation where he didn't have to worry about his football team over the weekend. So, and, and both his basketball teams picked up nice wins, especially the, the men. You, you referenced Clemson with their good win on the road against TCU. Uh, mm-hmm. South Carolina had a nice win, too, at ECU. So, I mean, it's, it's fun actually talking about good basketball teams here in our state on both sides of the coin. All right, continue with your phone calls, 888-898-2525. couple lines are now open, so feel free to – Jump up and grab as we go to Bruce in Mizzou. Bruce, welcome in to Sports Talk. How are you? I'm doing fine, Phil. Thanks for taking my call, and it was great to hear Larry's voice. Yeah, he like, sounds good. He sounds good. Been. I was a little worried about oh, him yeah. last week, but he's bounced back. Oh, I heard him last week. It was terrible. Anyway, glad he's back. Anyway, I'm I'm just tired of this uh, cornbread brain football. Cornbread brain football. Mm-hmm. All right, they're parading down the field over nothing. They don't know how to line up on the line. And they don't know how to tackle. And they don't know how to block. It's the fundamental stuff. And if you're going to play football, you've got to get down to the fundamentals on how to tackle somebody, how to block somebody, how to run the ball, how to call the play, and be on the line in the right position. What happened last night was just off the Yeah, chart. that was incredible. That was incredible. And he did it three times in that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they called the last one final. To think that now, in this, the this, NFL, this, to think that in the NFL, you know, as many times as no, they no. practice, you're talking about the Chiefs, right? Yeah, I'm talking about the Chiefs, but yeah. this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. He got away with it twice. And he knew what he was doing. He knew he wasn't supposed to line. A first grader knows you can't line up on the line to wet the ball. He's going to be offside. What is that? 
What is that? He did it on purpose. That's a purpose thing he did to get his little ass shown on TV. That's what it's all about. Well, he got it shown. He got it shown. That's what I'm saying. That's what he got. Exactly. But he calls the game. And he don't need to be on the field. Well, what a play. And thank you for the call, Bruce. Chris, that was an unbelievable play that the Chiefs pulled off, unfortunately. And there's no argument. Tony was offsides. He was definitely across the line. And I so much disagree with the Andy Reid response and the Mahomes response of, hey, man, let us play ball. Let us play ball. No, no. I mean, there are certain rules. And he was so blatantly across the line, it was just maybe, you know, half a millimeter. They'd have let it slide, but not in this case. It was too blatant. Well, and Mahomes is the response about, I've never had offensive offside called. If it does, they warn you. There wasn't a warning the entire game. No, why would the officials, you know the rules. They shouldn't have to explain them to you after you, you know, go against the rules and then come back and call you for a penalty later. Yeah. Made no sense. Be right back. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. And the phone number, 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky number for you here on Sports Talk. And uh, we'll get back to your phone calls in just a second. Of course, we've got the National Championship soccer game being played right now. Clemson and Notre Dame. I've got a little play-by-play here for you, so stand by. Oh, this ought to be fun. And he kicks it over here, and he runs to the ball, and he kicks it over there, and they run to the ball, and they kick it back over there, and they run to the ball, and there's a shot. And they kick it over here, and it goes to the corner. It's an inbounds pass. It's a corner kick. It's over here out of bounds. And there's a yellow card. And they kick it over here, and they run over there, and they kick it over here, and they run over there. You sound like Bobon from that, uh, I think it's a Geico commercial where he wants to do NBA play-by-play. Yeah, dribble, he's dribble, He's bouncing dribble. it, he's bouncing it, he's bouncing it, and he's bouncing it. Well, they played, they count up here, right? So the time is going up, so they play. No, in, in college soccer, they count down. Oh, I'm sorry. They actually know what they're doing. I they do not know also the first league. stop the clock when the, the official asks for you stoppage in well, play. Well, this just went from 26-37 to 26-42. Clemson has scored! Clemson has scored. Go! Brandon Parrish at the 26-42 mark as I'm watching the stat broadcast. Interesting. Clemson has scored. I'm, watching, I'm actually watching the game, and it's still 0-0. <laughs> well, so, you're watching. So are you head. watching a stream? Yes, I am. Well, you'll I'm be behind me the then. ESPN Plus, right. I'm sorry. So, yeah, Clemson has scored at the 26-42 mark. Oh, Brandon yeah. Parrish. So, the Tigers have had three shots on goal. To the Irish's two. But the Tigers have the one that counts so far. So it's one nothing Clemson, 26-42 mark of the first half. And if they continue this shutout, they'll be just the, I think, sixth team in NCAA history to go through the entire NCAA men's tournaments without allowing a goal. It's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing stuff. And I was just thinking about this. National championships. So Clemson's already got soccer national championships. They have multiple course they've got multiple football national championships they have a men's golf national championship am i forgetting anything national championship wise 
Don't think so. Let me think. No baseball, no softball. No basketball. No basketball. No track and field. No rowing. They're just starting gymnastics. Uh, South Carolina, they've got baseball, multiple. And women's basketball, multiple. And women's track and field, mm-hmm. one time. And I think that's it, right? Am I forgetting yeah, anything? You don't count the equestrian. No, sure if you know I what? I it. think that has to count. That's an NCAA yeah. sport. Okay. Forgot about equestrian. So give the Gamecocks an equestrian national champ. The one you're thinking about is bowling from back in the 70s when that was yes. a club sport. <laughs> Guppy Troop was uh, America's leading bowler at that time. Uh, I think they used to bowl wow. over in West Columbia. I think they used some lanes over in West Columbia. <laughs> I don't think the Russell House had any bowling lanes <laughs> in it at the time. <laughs> All right, let's go back to the phones. Triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. Let's go to uh, Keith from Camden. All right, Keith, welcome in. How are you? I'm doing great, Chris. Phil, hope y'all are, and hope Pat uh, enjoying his vacation. I'm sure he is. Yeah. <laughs> Look, just quick comment, and um, you know, you you step back from it and you look at what's transpired over. I think one night you were talking about the year Jackie Sherrill was hired at Mississippi State. I think they paid him 170 grand, and people thought, what in the world's going on? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why we're surprised. It's just money, money, money. Uh, well, just think about this weekend alone, Keith. Think about this weekend alone, or maybe going back to Friday. You had the word that um, – Shohei Otani was going to sign <laughs> with the Dodgers yeah. for $700 million, okay, $700 million. Um, so that was that was one thing. And then, of course, you had the story that John Rahm is going to sign with Lev Golf for somewhere in the neighborhood of $600 million, between five and six. So... We are not, believe it or not, in our lifetime, we're going to see the first billion-dollar contract. There might be, maybe there's been athletes to make a billion dollars as individual athletes. I don't know. Has anybody accrued a billion dollars in winnings in any sport at this point? But we're closing in on a billion-dollar contract for somebody. Who's that going to be? Who is up and coming? Who is young enough that's going to one day – sign that billion-dollar contract, probably backed by the Saudis because they're going to throw more money into American sports than you can imagine as time moves on. You watch my word. Well, Phil, let me let me say this, and then I'll hang up. Uh, you, you know, here's the thing. It, it, you, I used to be totally opposite of you and uh, on the guys getting any type payment. Uh, but when you think about it and you look at the ridiculous salaries coaches are making, you look at the amount of money the university is making, and at the end of the day, the way I see it now, you know who's getting left uh, behind is is the fans. So we're the one getting it handed to us. Uh, well, it's just, funny you should mention that. Funny you should mention that because I oh. ran across this the other day. <laughs> Quite by accident, I don't know that they put this out 
publicly. I did not see a release from uh, South Carolina. And, again, I'm not picking on the Gamecocks. I was on the Gamecocks website looking at some information, and I saw this story. Chris, correct me if I'm wrong if you happen to uh, to see this. But this about free concessions? No. No. I don't think so. <laughs> no, they my are answer actually doing, <laughs> wrong they answer. They are actually doing free concessions for men's and women's basketball. Um, no. The uh, final games of the uh, this month. This is this. With the goals of competing for championships, improving the fan experience at home events, and providing financial support to the over 500 athletes representing the Gamecocks in mind, the University of South Carolina Athletics Department and the Gamecock Club are announcing a new multi-year strategic revenue plan. What do you think that means in the King's English? <laughs> The the new revenue plans calls for small percentage increases each year Uh, for season ticket and parking prices rather than steep increases every five to eight years, as has been done previously. Receiving feedback, they write, we heard a lot about how small incremental increases reduce the financial burden that large increases bring. Gamecock membership dues, Gamecock club membership dues will be evaluated annually. So what's changing for next year, 24-25 athletics year? In the Gamecock club, the Gamecock club will place a stronger emphasis on loyalty by rewarding members for consecutive years of giving in two ways. Members will receive five priority points every time they renew their membership and increase from just two points per year. The Decade Dividends Program will be modified to increase the bonus awarded at each decade of giving. All right, season ticket prices will see a 4% or less increase across all sections. Returning tickets cost to at or below the 2018 prices. Fans will see a 15 to 20% increase in season parking prices, which have not been altered since 2015. I'm trying to figure out this sentence again. Season ticket prices will be a 4% or less increase across all sections. Returning ticket prices to at or below the 2018 prices? Are they saying they're scaling back the price of tickets? Am I understanding that correctly? Somebody smart, answer me. I will. That's a misprint. <laughs> I mean, I seriously, right? <laughs> Returning ticket costs to at or below the 2018 prices. I don't understand that. Season ticket prices will increase no more than $25, excluding. Oh, this is women's basketball. Season ticket prices will increase no more than $25, excluding premier and courtside seats. For men's basketball and baseball, a 2 to 4% increase in season ticket prices will be implemented. So, in other words, they're raising ticket prices and parking prices. I don't understand that one sentence there. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's a misprint, but that's what it says. So they're raising ticket prices and parking prices, and they're asking you to give money to the NIL, not just South Carolina, Everybody is. And, I'm go- and I only bring this up because you made the comment about the fans and what the fans now have to pay. So, I mean, you really got to want to be a fan of an average program. Now, if you're a fan of, of – of it's, you know, it's easy to be a fan of Ohio State, easy to be a fan of uh, Michigan right now. 
Uh, it used to be easy to be a fan of Clemson. We'll see if they get back to that level. You know what I'm talking about. The big winning teams right now. Easy to be a fan of Alabama. You're more than happy to do that. But when your team's 5-5 five and five or 5-7 five and seven or 7-5 seven and five or not going to the playoffs and you're repeatedly dipping into your pocket for more and more, I mean, I can understand it getting a little bit frustrating. Phil. Yes, sir. Let's be realistic. Uh, I mean, yeah, a graduate, uh, 38 years buying tickets and then coming to the realization, and I get it, you want – I mean, it. the problem I have is being an alumni, and that's what hurts. But uh, our, our better days have passed us. There's no way we can compete in this climate. Boy, and, you better not say that out loud to Gamecock fans right now. Well, you don't know let, what? Don't let Shane Beamer hear you say that. Well, well you Gamecock can Larry, he'll want to fight him. Yeah, Gamecock Larry, Gamecock Larry's on line three for you. Well, bring him on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, really. It, I mean, it's and, and, and Clemson may be in the same boat. I mean, look at look across the state of Texas, Texas A and M, Texas Tech, Texas, uh, SMU. Look at all that oil money, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. No, uh, and I just hate the damage it's going to do to the sport that we so love. But I understand. But it's, there's nothing I can do about it. No, there isn't. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you. You know, dollar for dollar, there's no way South Carolina and Clemson can compete with some of these other places. I think Clemson is – I think Clemson's still hedging its bet that they can get by with uh, paying the players, you know, a certain amount, um, their their culture, their history of success – their Christian atmosphere around the program that attracts a lot of players. Uh, I think that is what they are kind of banking on without having to pay the, uh, the, the huge dollars to try to entice somebody to come to their program, thinking that the money, a certain amount of money blended with all those other aspects of their program will be enough. South Carolina can't do that. They don't have the history. They don't have the championships. They don't have the history of success. You know, they've got the culture. They've got good culture, it appears. Though, you know, good culture, I guess, doesn't mean 17 people transferring. But I think no. some of those were shown the door, too. But that doesn't show good family and good culture either. So maybe it's kind of a mix. They've got to spend more, I would say, on particular players to get them to jump on board. Players who have an opportunity to go most anywhere in the country, like a Rocket Sanders. I mean, Rocket Sanders is a special running back, wouldn't you say? Yes, um, absolutely. I mean, I saw him literally destroy the Gamecocks in Arkansas a couple of years ago. I mean, just go up and down the field mm-hmm. on them uh, and, 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 and others, you know. It's going to cost them an arm and two legs to win that financial battle, I would say. We should save Keith's phone call because and, and send it to whomever. Cliff Ellis wants to talk to about the NCAA and, and trying to change things and whomever he gets a hold of that will listen. Keith's disappointment, and you can hear it in his voice, the feeling of helplessness that his team cannot compete anymore. That's not the way it was 10 years ago, 15 years ago. There was a chance you could go out and recruit and bring in players and go compete. He, he probably hit it right on the head. 
I there are a lot of right. fans out there that don't feel like they have a chance to compete anymore. Be right back. Farm Bureau Insurance's agricultural roots and ties to South Carolina farmers have shaped the company's culture and work ethic, providing a unique customer experience. Customers are treated like people, not policies. Now, while other insurance companies may have a one-size-fits-all approach to handling customers, we believe you need to be valued and treated right. Our claims professionals work until the job is done, and our agents still believe in the commitment that comes with a handshake. Call Buddy Bridges and Clinton and Lawrence at 864-923-217 for all of your auto, home, and life insurance needs. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. Hi, this is Lisa Hosteller-Brown. Do you know the difference between a revocable trust and an irrevocable trust? The difference could easily save you hundreds of thousands of dollars in long-term care costs. Visit LawyerLisa.com to schedule a consultation today. Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. Daddy, you need a trust. George Bryant for Tsunami Bar Sports, our inventor. David Abernathy has always said Tsunami Bar technology allows us to take the training to the grass. Now I know through my sport of golf that natural agility can be converted to athletic ability. And why is this, Tsunami Robbie? Transferring the training to the grass. This may be the most undervalued characteristic of the Tsunami Flexible Bar technology. The Tsunami Bar action loads and unloads at the concentric and eccentric transition points. This is what we call reversal forces. And the Tsunami Bar is the only bar and training device that I know of that can train these reversal forces adequately at speed. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. We are back on Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Phil Kornblut, Chris Bergen, Josh Cohen, handling the production all week while uh, Pat Daniel rests his tired, achy body. Uh, more calls coming up, 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number for you. We invite you to give us a phone call. want to mention that we were at the beach last week for the Touchstone Energy Bowl North-South All-Star football game. 
We had a fantastic time. Saturday was, man, was it beautiful. Temperature touching about 70. Of course, the weather moved in that night and Sunday, but during the day it was, it was awesome. And we want to remind you that you can get down to the beach too and enjoy things along the great coast of South Carolina by calling Jimmy Smith at James Smith Real Estate. This week's probably a good week to call. Jimmy was probably in a bad mood last week. You know why he was in a bad mood last week? Do not. He had to pay up because he's part of a group. This has been going on for decades. It's a group of Clemson oh, yeah. and Carolina fans. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's been going on for decades. Uh, every year, based on the football game, there's a wager, and whoever loses has to take the others out for a steak dinner at mm-hmm. a great place there in Merle's Inlet. And so, of course, he had to pay up this week. They they always have it uh, this particular week that just went by. So he had to pony up to his uh, Clemson counterpart this past week. So he's probably in a better mood now that he's got that behind him. <laughs> now, Jimmy's always in a good mood, especially when you call, and he's always willing to help. 843-237-4246. That's all you got to do to get to your perfect beach getaway. You can also go online at pauliesvacationrentals.com, pauliesvacationrentals.com. A couple of other notes, and we'll get back to some phone calls. 888-898-2525 is the number. South Carolina today released their completed baseball schedule. They finished uh, filling out the non-league portion of their schedule. And to go along with their SEC slate, which of course is going to be tough as nails, The Clemson series, which will begin March 1st in Columbia at Founders Park. The neutral site game will be at Segra Park the next night. We've done this before. We've had Segra Park in Columbia as the middle game, and that will be the case again this season in 2024, so they won't have to travel very far. So Friday night at Founders, Saturday at Segra, and then Sunday, that game will be up at Doug Kingsmore Stadium up at uh, Clemson. So the rest of the uh, non-league schedule for the Gamecocks will include games against Miami of Ohio, Winthrop, Queens, Belmont, Davidson, the Citadel. Mention the series with Clemson. They'll play Gardner-Webb, Lindenwood, Georgia State, Upstate, Presbyterian, East Tennessee State, neutral site game with North Carolina, neutral site game with Georgia Southern. That'll be down in the park in uh, North Augusta. And Winthrop, Winthrop, Winthrop. They'll go to Winthrop to play a game. Going to go to the Citadel to play a game as well. Uh, So that's the non-league schedule. We already had the SEC schedule earlier, so they're – Schedule is now complete, and they'll start things off on February 16th at Founders Park. They can play two Sunbelt teams, but can't play the one in their own state. I do not understand that. Uh, it's just beyond me. I do not why, understand Why that. Carolina and Coastal Carolina cannot work something out to play, especially this year of all years. You could have played Coastal twice. <clears throat> With Gary Gilmore retiring this year, would have been the perfect year to put whatever problems USC has with CCU, put them aside, and go play those guys. As opposed to Georgia Southern and Longwood and Davidson. I mean, East Tennessee State. I mean, come on. 
Mm. Who wants to see those? You're going to tell me any Gamecock fan would rather see those games than a series with Coastal? <laughs> it makes no sense at all. It's um, ridiculous. And they should be playing the College of Charleston. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they should all be playing each other. These are exactly. quality baseball programs. South Carolina, Clemson, Wofford, Coastal, College of Charleston, Furman. Oh, sorry, Furman. Um, <laughs> they should all be playing each other. It, I agree. And uh, it's a shame that they don't. You know, it really is a shame that they don't. All right, a few other things here before we hit the top of the hour of interest to uh, everybody. Baseball America is calling for the 2025 draft, the number one college prospect for the 2025 draft, Clemson outfielder Cam Canarella. They are calling him the number one college prospect for the 25 draft. How about that? Hard to argue. I I haven't seen a player uh, that makes a greater impact on his team than what he's done thus far. That kid was phenomenal last year. Clemson linebacker Jeremiah Trotter Jr. was named to the second team of the AP All-America team announced today. Brian Thompson has stepped down as the head football coach at Union County after six seasons. Tomorrow, the South Carolina Athletic Hall of Fame will announce their 10 new members. This year's class represents baseball, basketball, football, golf, athletic administration, and the coaching community. So that will be coming out tomorrow. South Carolina State will officially introduce Chennis Berry as their new football coach at a press conference tomorrow. You want to go see the Panthers and the Falcons? (laughs) No. (laughs) Tickets are going for as low as $5 for a single, $10 for two together. This according to our buddy Joe Person with The Athletic covering the Panthers. We'll be back after this break. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. We're back. We're back on Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Good to have you with us in just a moment. Shrine Bowl coach Wayne Farmer will join us from up in Spartanburg. They've put in their two practices today, so we'll find out from him how things went up in Spartanburg. They're at halftime, National Championship Men's College Cup, Clemson, with a one nothing lead on Notre Dame, scoring that goal in the 26th minute, as I recall. A little while ago, so one nothing Clemson. So what kind of uh, defense would you play here in the uh, second half, Mr. Bergen, with a one nothing lead? Kick it to the other end of the field, right? You just keep it away from your goal as best possible. But they shoot. Uh, they don't need our instructions. They've been doing that all postseason. Mm. Teams have had a hard time scoring on them. And their, their goalie, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, he's not one of your taller more imposing figures in net, but he is athletic as they get, mm. and he's he's played well for them. Well, again, they're a nine seed, so they're kind of a long shot to be mm-hmm. playing for the national yeah. championship, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but they are they are getting it done. Speaking of getting it done, let's go up to Spartanburg. Welcome in Sandlapper's coach Wayne Farmer 
as the Shrine Bowl practices got underway today, a little chillier than the practices at the beach last week, but at least the weather was clear and sunny and they could get out and run around and kind of felt like football weather, I'm sure. Let's welcome in Coach Farmer. Coach, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening. Fine. Thank you. Great to have you with us. Uh, tell us about the first day on the practice fields with your with your guys. What did you see? What did you take away? Well, I, I thought it went really well. The first practice, I guess they were trying to kind of understand what we're trying to implement, you know, the scheme on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, start off kind of slow, just trying to put it in. Second practice went really well, really upbeat, fast. Um, got a little physical, what we need to see. Um, and they pick it up, uh, the, our verbiage, our scheme of what we're trying to do. So second practice side really looked a lot better than the first did your guys come and report to you like they were in pretty good shape? I know some of them had played for state championships a couple of weekends ago. Others had been out longer than that. So did they, did they basically, as a as a group, report in pretty good shape? Yes, they did. Uh, and the energy was good. Uh, the kids were uh, they did a really good job. I didn't see anybody being lazy, loafing, or didn't feel like they were in shape. Uh, everybody looked like they were coming ready to play. What sort of things are you hoping to do offensively? Well, you know, I think we're always back to establish run, but we're going to start. Coach Lee Parsons is the coordinator. He knows what he does at Gilbert. So we definitely want to establish the run. And, they, and North Carolina's got a really good defensive front. But we want to throw, we want to throw it around, keep the tempo, keep moving the ball, you know, just trying to uh, right down the field. How's your quarterbacks look? Look pretty good. Javon Martin. And um, Wilson from Rock Hill, they look really good. Uh, uh, commanding the huddle, doing a really good job. What would you say are the strengths of each of those quarterbacks? Well, they're both about they're both pretty much carbon copies of each other. Uh, I mean, they're about, about equal as far as what they do. Both of them are dual threat quarterbacks. They understand the progression, do a really good job reading on the zone reading. And they're throwing, they spin the ball pretty good. So, I mean, they're pretty much identical. Well, when you look at your trio of running backs, and maybe you have more that you consider running backs, but when you look at the collection of uh, Turbo Richard from Northwestern and then uh, Deshaun Reeder from Christ Church uh, and then Trayvon Dunbar from Midland Valley, I mean, you're talking about three guys that, rolled up a bunch of yards at their respective schools. So it would not be a surprise to see you lean on your running backs because you got some talent there. We did, man. That's why we're doing four running backs. Amir Smith was down kind of out, so. But uh, Trayvon got back from his business, so he just showed up today where other kids were already here. And you couldn't tell that Trayvon wasn't here yesterday getting installed. I mean, he stepped right in. I love the way he blocks. He's so physical. You know how he runs, but he, he, he blocks exceptionally well. And you know what Turbo does? Yeah, each one has something, you know, unique to bring to the table. So we're, we're really good at our uh, final backs. We got a four, a rotation, and they've been doing really well just stepping in, you know, along with our receivers that we have. Now, I was going to say, your receiving core is not bad either. You got uh, Jimmer Boston. You got Christian Zachary. Uh, you've got uh, Yannick Smith from Somerville. Uh, those are four of your wide receivers, 
and and those guys and throw in as you mentioned uh no you didn't mention but Avery McFadden of Mr. Football finalists who had a had a great year as well. You got five receivers that are uh, pretty highly regarded as well. So, I mean, you have got I I guess it hinges on the quarterback play. You've got running backs, you got receivers who can certainly make some offense for you. We do. I we do it all. Those receivers, hey, you know, it's just a rotation. No matter who's out there, they all playing. And uh, Giannis is exactly two bigger receivers. And you got uh, Jamar Boston, Avery McFadden. Those boys, hey, they do a really good job. And um, I guess the biggest thing is, you know, you know, and the route running is, is, is what they do a good job running routes also. So our, our biggest thing now, we can protect the quarterback, get a push on that defensive front. I think we'll be okay. Yeah, how is your offensive line? I thought that uh, Coach uh, Blackson did a really good job recruiting. Uh, Watson Young uh, looks incredible. You know, uh, Watson Young, uh, Stokes from Hartsville, Thompson from Dillon, two boys from Greenville, uh, State. They look really good, really good. Understand that Cam Pringle's not able to play. Yeah, I talked to Coach Ford. Uh, he had a high ankle sprain, so uh, he wasn't ready to go, and he's gonna, he plans to play another Army game, so he chose to sit out the time, bro. Were you guys able to replace him with somebody? We brought in um, Adrian Lamb from Buford. Adrian Lamb from Buford, okay, okay. Talking with Coach Wayne Farmer, uh, head coach of the Sand Lappers. Yeah, that offensive line is big and talented. What about on the defensive side? trying to match up with what will be a pretty big offensive line from the Tar Heels? Uh, Coach Cousin, Coach Boyd has been doing a really good job, and Coach Breland. Uh, or I thought we got a good defense. So I, I think our old defense, 22 that we picked, I thought they did a really good job with them. Um, we got Boyd and Fuller from Silver Bucks doing especially well, along with Preston McFadden from Lake City up front. Uh, Downs just got in today. Marcus Downs just got in today, and um, the Jaleel Jefferson is real quick. Gaffney uh, looks good. Now, Jaden Simmel from uh, White Nose, I love him. And um, Kevin Hunter from South uh, West Point, they do, they do a really good job playing our family Joseph. And our inside linebackers, Stickman and um, from Indian Land, and um, Terry Grant from West Ashley. We got Omari Jackson from um, – Seven hundred pounds, and and the Juju Stevens from Strong Thurman, they do a really good job. And I and I and I back in with uh, Stevens from Philip Simmons, Dustin Clinton, uh, Paul from York, uh, Tyler Jones from Good Forest. They're doing a good job back there. One player I forgot to mention on the offensive side, I should have, is Braylon Staley at wide receiver. How can you forget him? Another guy with great skills and speed. And I imagine he can help you in the return game. Do you plan to use him in a kick return or punt return situation? Yeah, he's right now. He's our deep guy in the kick return, and the fans like deep guy in the punt return. So those guys, and they're doing a really good job. They feel the ball well, hands are you know really good, and they understand you know what to do when they get the ball in the hand. How's the kicking game look to you? Oh, uh, Coleman, friends, all the things out. He can do it. He said, Coach, I'm going to give you six plus seconds in the air on the front. You know what I'm saying? He said, uh, Holy cow. And I think, <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. And so he said today was about 5.5. And then uh, and, and then we, we've been uh, working on our field going PAT. 
been all over, you know, the middle to the hashes, doing a really good job. Uh, and even McFadden ended up being our holder. And he gets never held before and did a great mm. job that they hold it. So um, I think they did a good job. I think my school did a really good job picking the team. And there's some, a lot of well-deserved players that didn't make it. They, you know, probably deserved to make it. But I, I think the quarter four that we have is, you know, pretty good uh, quarter four uh, representation of South Carolina. Are y'all drumming up any surprises? Are you allowed to drum up any trick plays? Uh, or does everything well, have to know, be pretty been, plain and by the book? Well, we we got a base out of a three four. So that's what we got to do. Uh, from the ten yard inside, we can do whatever we want to do. Middle field, we can run a little bit of unbalance. Uh, but our three four, we must be head up the nose and uh, head up the tackle. So we got to have near two fours a weekend. And so we've been doing that. Um, we'll probably put some stuff inside the hotel room, not really outside until the south. Uh, not there. We'll, we'll probably get some stunts and blitzes coming in, try to apply some pressure because uh, uh, North Carolina has some really good slot receivers and uh, they got a couple of massive offers around them. So you're at the Shrine Bowl. I mean, this is the culmination, not that your career is over, but, I mean, getting to the Shrine Bowl as a head coach, that's top of the line here in South Carolina, Touchstone Energy Bowl, Shrine Bowl, coaching in those games. Now you've done both as uh, a head coach. And what does it feel like to you to be uh, handling South Carolina's team? I mean, this is the team everybody in the state were split so many different ways during a football season, your favorite local high school team or your favorite college team. This is the one team everybody can get behind. True, true. I'm, I'm very honored and very pleased to be having a chance to lead the South Carolina team. Something I always remember, like you said, that as far as on your resume, this is a great honor. So, no. Definitely, I think hey, I'm very, uh, really, really uh, trying to do, do a great job as far as representing South Carolina, and I'm very honored uh, having this chance. What What are you guys doing tonight for uh, some relaxation? Right now, we're at the bowling alley. They, we did, they do it there at the bowling alley, North Carolina and the South Carolina squad. Mm-hmm. They're bowling, and they have pizza for here. So we have three hours at the bowling alley. Great. Well, we'll let you get back to it. Go uh, go roll a few strikes. Are you a pretty good bowler? I had bowling years. I used to bowl pretty good. But I, had, I'm, I won't be rolling in tonight. I'm watching <laughs> the boys tonight. <laughs> it's been a long day of practice. We, uh, we just sit back watching the boys tonight. Understand. Well, we will uh, try to get up there to see you and then uh, get you back on the show later in the week for an update heading into the game on Saturday. We really appreciate it. And good luck to you and the Sandlappers. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Coach. Calhoun County's Wayne Farmer. Appreciate him being with us tonight on short notice from up in Spartanburg, but we appreciate that. And uh, always love having the high school coaches on with us here on Sports Talk. After the break, how about a conversation with Mr. Football, Josiah Thompson, who is up at the Shrine Bowl, but Saturday he was one of the five finalists on the field at halftime for the Touchstone Energy uh, Cooperatives Bowl in Myrtle Beach. Five excellent finalists for the award. Could have gone any of five ways, but Thompson gets it. There could only be one winner. He's the man. We'll hear what he had to say after the break. All right, Saturday in Myrtle Beach, Touchstone Energy Cooperatives Bowl, and at halftime we had the naming of Mr. Football in South Carolina, the winner 
was Josiah Thompson, the standout offensive tackle from Dillon High School. Right after he was announced as the winner, Richie Altman, our sideline announcer for the broadcast, was able to uh, grab him and talk to him for a few minutes about winning that honor. Here's that interview. Gentlemen, congratulations on just making it here. All of you guys deserve this. Unfortunately, only one can get the award, and that award goes to Josiah Thompson, Dillon High School. Congratulations, Josiah. All right, the big tackle from Dillon, Josiah Thompson, a future Gamecock named Mr. Football in South Carolina for 2023. And this award, yeah, it's not necessarily coached the best quarterback, the best offensive player, or anything like that. It's who they view as the best football player who combines all those other qualities. Well, you know, like you said, they, they have criteria, and, and they go by that, and I'm sure that young man fits all those, and, uh, you know, congratulations to him. All right, let's go down to Richie. Uh, he is with Mr. Football in South Carolina for 2023. Hey, guys, what an honor it is here to stand by Mr. Football for 2023 here as we get to talk to Josiah Thompson. What a year, man. What a career. What a, what a time you spent at Dillon. A, a lot of big names come out of Dillon, and you're just adding to that list. I think of Stan the man, and now I'm going to think about Josiah Thompson. Man, what does this award mean to you, winning the Heisman version of the South Carolina High School Football League? Uh, it feels great. Um, it's an honor. It's a blessing from the Lord. Um, I just want to thank my family and my coaches um, for pushing me because uh, I would never get this award without them. Um, and it feels honored to be one of the many few that actually won this award in the past. And it feels great to be one of those right now and for the ones to come in the future. So I'm very grateful. When you look at back at your career at Dillon and, and, and being a part of a huge program and a tradition program, I mean, when you think playoffs, Dillon's always there. State championships are always there. You guys are always setting the standard in, in high school football on Friday nights, man. What has it meant to you to be a Dillon Wildcat? And some of the things you'll always remember as you start this next chapter here in a few weeks? Well, it means a lot to be a Dillon Wildcat. Um, you know, from the um, success that we made in the past, uh, Dillon being a Dillon Wildcat, um, it feels honored to be a college Dillon Wildcat. Um, as well as going to South Carolina, um, I can represent my high school in the past. So it's a great thing to be a Dillon Wildcat. Get it in in just a minute. Now, when you look at the other part, only one other man has been where you are as an offensive lineman. Man, you get to, re you get to represent the guys in the trenches, man. What does it mean to you to be the second time in the history to represent an offensive lineman winning this award? Oh, uh, yeah, being offensive lineman is great. Um, you know, uh, being one of the second to be offensive lineman, uh, that means greatest will come in the future as more offensive lineman in this award as well. Um, so it just starts something great. Gotcha. So you've already decided you're going to University of South Carolina. You'll join Beamer and the very great wall coming to Columbia this year. I know a lot of people are excited there. Uh, what was your decision to go to South Carolina, and what were some of the things major-wise, ed educational-wise, that really got you over the edge? Most players, they look at uh, the coaches as being the atmosphere, um, somewhere they can feel comfortable at, um, a second home, really. Um, but being in South Carolina, I can actually represent my state as being born in South Carolina. And as, where, as far as I go, I can know that I can represent my state, South Carolina. So I'm grateful to be committed to the University of South Carolina. All right, so you'll leave here next week, another big game, your final game, playing high school football, man. Well, what goes through your emotions and, and, and just your whole body language getting into this week? Because I guess you guys will show up next week up here uh, going to Spartanburg. Uh, yeah, Ben Strombo. I'm just getting prepared, getting ready. Uh, a, lot, a lot of competition going to come. Just getting prepared for that. Uh, you know, being doing Wildcat with my head coach. 
I can represent him and my offensive line coach. I can show what I've been coached to do, and I can show that in a strong move. Now, you got a lot of young people listening here, a lot of people that are juniors and sophomores, and then some of the younger guys, man, wanting to get where you're at. All right, so give me something to, to leave with, something that they will remember as uh, your last mark and your last conversation here on high school football. I'll just keep pushing, I'll keep working, and remain home. All right, there you go. Richie Altman, Josiah Thompson, halftime the other day when Thompson received Mr. Football. Uh, sounds like a uh, well-read young man, no uh, a man that uh, kind of has it together and has a vision for the future for himself. And, I mean, South Carolina is counting on him, uh, counting on Blake Franks, ca- counting on Cam Pringle and others uh, to come in and to give them that – that. Um, uh, on the offensive line, it's a lot to ask a freshman. They started two freshmen last mm-hmm. half of this, this past season. They're talented players, but they struggled at time. At times, uh, these are three talented players. But they're freshmen. They're going to struggle at times. Uh, and you, I don't know if all three will break into the starting lineup, or they're going to have to bide their time, get stronger, um, get bigger. I, I don't know. Uh, they do have talent, but. But South Carolina is certainly counting on these three guys to be major contributors, they hope, sooner than later. And to answer Richie's question, it helps to be 6'6", 6'7", and 280. That's that's a good way to, to start being a good offensive lineman. I, you, you can't pass along that. And that's what Josiah Thompson brings to the table right off the bat. They can work on his technique, and having seen him play, he's got pretty good technique, even for a high schooler when he doesn't necessarily have to because he can basically just throw kids out of the way. Mm-hmm. But when you're six 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 seven, whatever they're going to list him as, and up near 300 pounds as a high schooler, and then you shape that off with, with a college weight room workout regimen, I mean, he's got all the tools. They just have to fit him in and plug him where they need him, and they desperately, as you, need, as you mentioned, Phil, they're going to need him to play next year. I don't think there's any way around that. They're going to need him to step in just like Tree Babalati did and just like Trevon Ball did. They're going to need all those guys to play. And you, what you hope is those two guys, the younger guys, the two freshmen that played this year, have learned from that experience and maybe can translate it a little bit to the other guys coming in and say, here's what to expect because you're going to get in there at some point in time this season. Clemson continues to lead in the championship of the Men's College Cup. one nothing, 56-33 mark of the, uh, the game. Uh, in the second half. Uh, so they're up one nothing on Notre Dame. Notre Dame's taken nine shots to Clemson's four. Clemson's had one shot on goal. And I guess that's the one that went oh, they in. they needed so far. <laughs> and the Irish have had three, and they've been turned away. So Clemson is about, uh, what, 30-some-odd minutes? No, 33. 33 minutes from a Well, I think we were all watching late Friday night as Furman and Montana battle it out in the FCS playoffs, looking to get to the semifinals. And the Paladins came up just a little bit short, falling in overtime. And what was a, it was a great football game, no question about it. And we appreciate Furman coach Clay Hendricks for joining us here to uh, reflect on that game and kind of wrap up the season, coach. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. How are you feeling tonight? I'm feeling fine, Phil. You know, it was a long – I think we landed back at 8 a.m. Saturday morning. 
uh, you know, certainly disappointing with the outcome of the game. But, man, we had a great year. And, you know, just they made one more play than we did, you know, at the end of the day. And, uh, you know, in kind of an unbelievable environment. Never been part of anything like that in FCS. And, um, I, you know, I don't, I hate to even, I hate, I hesitate even saying this, but almost comparable to going to Columbia to play uh, in front of that crowd. It's just unlike any place in the FCS, you know, and, they got educated fans that know when to yell, and they're, you know, it, I actually thought in some cases it was louder. But, you know, we handled, we managed that well. We just didn't quite make enough plays. Yeah, and uh, I tell you, man, gutsy, gutsy. It didn't, you didn't get a chance to run it. You must have felt good about the two point conversion after tying it late in regulation because you hesitated none whatsoever. You went right to it, and. How prepared were you guys to run that play for the two-point conversion had you not had the the penalty? I mean, did you think – obviously you felt you were going to score. I mean, were you absolutely convinced you were going to score on that two-point conversion? Well, I'm not sure you're absolutely convinced any time. Uh, but, you know, it's something we talked about even early in the fourth quarter. I just told them, you know, have the – you know, have what we – you know, we practiced it a lot, and we practiced it a lot throughout the year. We have a couple different ones we use, and – I just, you know, the base, you know, been four minutes going to the game, I wouldn't have done it. Uh, I just think the way it played out, you had a chance in that environment to win it on one play. Um, you know, and obviously didn't get to run it. You know, I uh, <laughs> I, I told somebody, I, I think the one regret, I had a fake field goal and I wish I'd run it mm. uh, on the extra point. Uh, you know, but. Uh, what were you going to run? What was yeah, the play? You know, what was the play supposed to be? It was a it was a little double pass because you know we threw the pass uh-huh. backwards, uh-huh. Uh, you know, and it just quite never got to us. It was hard to tell. They, you know, they, they were going. They looked like they stayed on the on the first first guy you're looking at. You know, they had locked and played. Were playing man on him. The guy did not come off immediately. I don't know if he actually saw the ball thrown or not. But hmm. you know, I, I tell you what, what, what was interesting, you know. Uh, Tyler, I, I don't. Tyler wasn't close to a hundred percent. I mean, I know Phil, you were here the week before at Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you'd seen him, and, and he played well in that game, but he just, you know, that was the biggest thing. We just weren't able to get him healthy, and then, you know, Don Roberto really didn't even play. We used him in some third down stuff to block. We had two of our, you know, two of our back. We, we carried four guys, and two of them weren't able to go. Uh, so we had some challenges, you know, a little bit from that standpoint, and. Uh, you know, you certainly maybe try to use Tyler's speed a little bit more in certain situations, but it was uh, it's something we'd practice. We felt good about, and just never got to actually mm-hmm. got to run it. Yes, sir. Clay Hendricks, head football coach at Furman, with us here tonight on Sports Talking. Coach, I thought right after the initial shockwave sort of wore off with their touchdown, and then you guys answered with a, a quick touchdown. Your defense settled in, and I thought played pretty well, but. How disappointed were you in the special teams? Because that certainly seemed to be the difference in the ball game. You had not given up a kickoff return in, in mm. Furman programmed since 2015 for a touchdown. Not only did they get the opening kickoff for a touchdown, they also run a punt back for a score. Uh, th- those clearly were were big plays, weren't they? Oh yeah, obviously they were. I mean that was that was we've been great special teams all year, and uh, you know it really kind of interesting. I guess I'm not afraid to say it. Uh, on that particular kickoff, you know, first of all, we 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 we're we're a kick it deep left kind of team, and you know, our kids got almost seventy touchbacks, you know, and and what he does, he kicks it short and in the middle, 
And, you know, you got to be able to adjust, and we practice adjusting, but, but we put it in a bad spot. But I, if you'll watch the tape and you watch the clip, there are no less than four illegal blocks right at the point of, of where the jacket's <laughs> I've never seen – and I just say this, I've never seen anything like it. It got, it got totally nobody caught. They, they – I mean, watch the tape. It's, it's the darndest thing I've ever seen. And don't think I haven't addressed it with the proper people, but there's nothing I can do about it now. He took out three of our guys with one, with one guy, you know, and uh, there were four illegal blocks at the point of attack, you know. And so I'm sitting there going, yeah, we should have tackled him, but, I, you know, I, I guess we should have other, other than that. I really, you want to go back and say, well, we didn't do this well. Well, we did kind of what we coached him to do. Um and there were no calls. And then the punt, I don't know, we hit a great punt. We'd gotten back there. We hit a great punt. And I don't know, a couple of those were close. I, I, you know, I'd have a hard time. You know, they probably blocked from the side uh, where a couple of guys didn't see them. And then even then we had a chance to get them on the ground, and we just didn't. You know, and, I mean, really, that was the difference in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we held them 14 points there. We scored 28 points on offense, even with some of the challenges we had. But, but the – the kickoff, I, you know, I, I tell somebody, go watch it. Go watch it up close. And I, I just, I'm not sure I've ever seen that many at one point. And somebody done, you know, there's seven officials, which I, I wasn't happy about because, you know, we played with an eight-man crew all year and they give us a seven-man crew. And uh, I said, well, the seven guys, not one of them could see. Anyway, <laughs> so, they must have uh, been ex-NFL <laughs> officials. It, it is. It is. I'm. I'm just saying that it is one of the darndest things. You know, Tommy Spangers our our special coordinator. And Tommy is, he's phenomenal. You know, and I just know how Tommy takes things. You know, and it's like, coach. You know, we were looking at it. You know, Sunday, and uh, I just, I, I just, I just don't know if I've ever seen that many on one plate right at the point of attack, and nobody, nobody else saw anything. So, mm. you know, their kid made a good play. You know, but it. You know, it was kind of an odd place. You watch it, you notice he popped through there, and there was nobody back there at all, other than other than our kicker, uh, which wasn't going to be a good matchup. But, uh, hmm. but no, that wasn't great. But we, you know, three plays later, the game seven seven. Mm-hmm. You know, so we we or four plays later, we answered, and uh, you know, our kids just battled. Like I said, it was a it, it's really a unique environment at our level. And, uh, you know, I think it was about 30 degrees of kickoff, and I thought we managed that well. But we just, you know, just had some challenges a little bit offensively with our skilled guys. And we kind of dealt with that about the last month of the year. Um, but, again, I, I can't say enough about our kids and how they battled. Knowing Coach Spangler, I'm surprised his head didn't explode on the sideline because I, I know how he is, and I would have thought he had been upset about that too, Coach. But, I, you well, know, well, you I take those – <laughs> yeah, I, I think everybody was, you know, but then you know, it's like anything, you know, you go back and watch something, you think, well, we didn't do this very well, and you go back and watch, well, you know what, we actually probably did that pretty well, you know, I mean, we didn't do some mm-hmm. other things well, and, you know, there's a reason why they're 12-1, and one, you know, and, uh, but, you know, that home field, like, the, we don't go very many places where you feel like that's truly, uh, you know, we're not the SECA, you know, some of these places where you, you see that week to week, and, you know, it's just not a factor, but it clearly is a factor there, you know. And, uh, you know, and, and, again, we'd love to, you know, if we'd won, we'd been at home hosting North Coast State, which would have been a different animal to deal with. Mm. Uh, 
but uh, but like you know where we were health wise, could Tyler have gone this week? I don't I don't know if he could have or not. You know, so he uh, he's a he's one tough kid. You know, and every time I ask him about certain stuff, he doesn't respond. Uh, you know, but it's, it's just something he dealt with since you know, I guess the, the first Chattanooga game. Coach, you held them to four of 17, I think it was, on third down conversions. They punted the ball nine times, considering that going in sort of the story of this game, I think, was defense on your side and their side as well. After, take those two special teams plays out of the mix. How do you feel your your team handled things defensively against them? Oh, we did great. You know, the, the only guy, you know, they, had, they announced, I think, that week, the, you know, the Jerry Rice Award freshman of the year in America, and I think he rushed for two yards against us and mm-hmm. I think the other back had nine yards uh you know the quarterback you know one of those you know the college world we're in mm-hmm. you know uh, four four school five years um you know big a big athletic kid you know who threw it pretty well could run it you know he's not an easy guy to tackle and you know we we did a few things where we let him get in space that we probably could have done a better job of but I mean, you know, like I said, you give up 14 points on defense, you feel like you should win. Hmm. Uh, and again, we scored 28 points on offense, you know, even not, even with some of the challenges we had. So, you know, but that, you know, special teams are a huge part of it. And other, otherwise, I thought we were pretty solid special teams uh, with the two plays. And and again, I'm giving us a pass on one of them. The punt return, we should have, you know, should have taken. You know, we almost kind of out kicked our coverage a little bit. The kid made a great punt. <laughs> You know, and it's funny, right before that, you know, their kid had, he landed a 51-yarder on three-yard line and it stopped on the two. You know, so give them credit, and, and we didn't get it out of there. So we were, they flipped the field on us and, and again, made a great punt and just didn't, didn't, didn't cover it good enough. And Tyler today announces he's hitting, hitting the, the graduate transfer uh, portal, John. We call it the portal, John, here because you're flushing your way <laughs> out of the program, the portal, John. So, but yeah, you're losing your quarterback. Uh, I guess was that inevitable? Was there any opportunity for him to stay at Furman, or does he, if he's going to go to grad school, does he have to go somewhere? Well, he just he's he, he's just finishing his graduate degree. You know, he's actually getting a graduate degree right now. He oh. finishes in the next week. Okay. So it hell, it is the it is the crazy world that's been created. It's almost sad, mm-hmm. you know, what's been created. Uh, you know, it's funny. I talked with Tyler today, and Tyler was almost. He came in there and thought I was going to be mad at him. And I said, "Well, Tyler, you know, first of all, January the sixth, he goes to Arizona for five months for Air, for Army Reserve training. Um, so he's going to be in the Army for the next five months. So in June, he's available, and he's got a year to play because he has an extra year because of the COVID. You know, mm-hmm. and so he says, I can't." Coach, I don't know if I want to keep playing, and you know, I don't know if it's an option to even come back here. You know, and the world you're in, you know, we've got a we've got a couple of kids we really like on campus. We actually got a kid we we plan on enrolling a signee that we plan on enrolling in January. You know, so we feel like we're going to have three guys here. Mm-hmm. I think he's a little bit concerned about how that would affect. And I said, you know what? I, there's a lot of things could change between now and then. You know, Tyler's married. Uh, he's been phenomenal for us, and you know I think could he go play somewhere with somebody payable or something? Would somebody pay him to do? But I don't know, you know. But he's got a graduate degree already, uh, you know. But again, that's just that's just kind of the world we're in. I just, we just don't have a way to keep a guy like that around. Uh, he could get into another graduate program, but even 
even making it work for us financially with a space, it's just, it would be a, I'd say it'd be a challenge. I'm not sure we could do it anyways. Um, you know, so again, that, that's just the world that's been created. Um, you know, most of our kids, I mean, we have several kids, you know, most of our kids, I will say this, Bill, about the, what's a little bit pleasant about mine. I had several discussions today with kids talking about that. And their biggest concern is there's somewhere I can get an MBA paid for. You know, and, and so that's the discussion, you know, we're having. And, and I, you know, the rule says they go to the portal, I can cut them loose. Mm-hmm. And I kind of deal each case. I haven't had a lot of undergrads ever go, so every every kid that I had a conversation with is a grad, you know. Some of them could stay and play a fifth year, and, you know, they're like, and their question is, Coach, if I do this, I'd like to look. I'm not going anywhere. Could I come back? And I said, well, yeah, you could, you know, if you handle it the right way. I said, now, at some point, there's a, there's a dead-end cutoff. But I think that's what's a little bit unique at our place. Um, and a lot of them don't finish until May, and, and a lot of people don't want anything to do with those kids, you know, if they can't get them in January. Um, and as I tell a lot of them, I think a lot of these places could care less about your MBA, you know, as long as you come play for them. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, we got a kid who's got another year, but he's going to, he's probably going to get a master's in engineering, you know, and maybe have a chance to play, you know, so we're dealing a little bit with that. And so we're not, we're not immune to it. Uh, but again, it's just, it's the world that's been created. Wild out there, coach. But listen, congratulations. Another fantastic year mm-hmm. and enjoy uh, a little bit of all season you get and uh, look forward to seeing you again soon and talking to to you again soon. And we thank you for all the, the visits with us this, this year on uh, Sports Talk. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Well, coach. thank you. I appreciate you having me. It was great seeing you a couple of weeks ago. I know we got you up at maybe Chattanooga game. And, uh, but, no, it's great being with you guys. Wish you the best, and we look forward to being with you again. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you, Clay Hendricks Thanks. from Furman. And what a great year they had. And uh, they'll find a quarterback, and they've got other really good parts as well. So I look for Furman to be right back in it. Next season. That's as blunt, Phil, as we've heard him on this program. I have yeah. never heard him criticize the officials before. Mm-hmm. And he basically just funny. laid it out and said, hey, look, we got cheated. Yep. Uh, and then also his comments about, and where else but at Furman do you run into a situation where a kid wants to go? The only thing they're concerned about is, can someone pay for my master's mm-hmm. degree? Yeah. It's a different All right, all right. Uh, go, Clemson. Go. That sounds like a wounded duck, doesn't it? <laughs> Two nothing Clemson at the seventy three fifty five mark. That means there's about seventeen now sixteen minutes left. They play ninety, right? Uh, sixteen right. minutes left. Clemson's up two nothing. Who blows a two nothing lead in soccer in the last sixteen minutes? Never happening. Put the crown on them. Give them the trophy. Crank up the bus. Tiger's about to come home with a natty. How about that? I- I did have a college coach one time tell me that the most difficult lead to protect was a two-goal lead. Oh, really? That said, I don't think it's going to happen now. Clemson's playing too well on defense to give up two goals in 16 minutes. All right, let's get to the recruiting report here on Sports Talk to put the wrapper on tonight's program brought to you by Seawells. Make sure you get by Seawells this week for the daily luncheon buffet. You know it's outstanding. And I'm sure we're headed toward a roast beef Friday 
And it's from 11 to 2. It's only $14, and you will leave very satisfied. You got catering needs, you call Seawells. It's that simple. 803-771-7385 online at SeawellsCateringSC.com. I've got the menu for tomorrow if you like. Oh, go right ahead. Carved beef brisket, oh. southern fried chicken, and chicken pot pie. Oh, that sounds good. And what is it, Pat always says, your, your farm-fresh local vegetables, fruit, salad bar, and dessert, and, of course, gravy. Mm. And, yes, indeed, just to look ahead to the 15th, it is carved roasted sirloin of beef on a roast beef Friday. Mark it down. All right, productive day for South Carolina and Clemson. The Gamecocks get Coastal Carolina transfer receiver Jared Brown and uh, somebody who could certainly help them at the receiver spot out of Lilburn, Georgia. Had 1,534 receiving yards, 11 receiving touchdowns, 108 catches during his time, two years at Coastal. He'll have two seasons of eligibility remaining to play with the Gamecocks. And the Gamecocks get defensive tackle Jerome Simmons, 6'4", 333, from Bamberg and Highland Junior College out in Kansas. Going to graduate in the spring, and then he'll enroll. He'll have three years to play two with South Carolina, and last season he had 24 tackles, eight tackles for loss, four and a half sacks, and there are now 18 commitments in the Gamecocks class. Key thing about Simmons as well, he is their first interior defensive lineman in the class. Didn't have one until him. They need more. Athletes. Marquise Henderson, 5'10", 170, offered yesterday by Clemson. He committed on the spot to Dabo Sweeney in his office, but today he announced it this morning. He rushed for 23, 36, and 37 touchdowns this past season, but Clemson sees him as an athlete who can play slot or corner. He had 17 offers after getting that Clemson offer. Actually grew up a Gamecock fan, but the Gamecocks never offered him. So he's headed to Clemson. He's considered... Uh, one of the top two prospects in the state for next year, along with South Florence defensive tackle Amari Adams, who has also committed to Clemson. Receiver Jaden McGowan, Vanderbilt transfer, visited USC over the weekend. Of course, you know he caught 80 passes in two seasons there at Vanderbilt. And South Carolina showed him a lot about how he would fit in with their offense. He really enjoyed uh, being at South Carolina, considering that they ignored him coming out of Lawrence High School. He goes to Vandy, he shows out, and now he's wanted by the Gamecocks and also Boston College. He said he's very interested in Boston College, and he is planning to go to Boston College for an official visit this coming weekend, though that has not been nailed down as of last night. Safety Gerald Kilgore of Tennessee Tech was in at South Carolina, 6 feet 202. He's the brother of the Gamecocks standout safety, Jalon Kilgore, or Jalen Kilgore you want to pronounce it correctly, uh, which I probably should try and do. Uh, he had a really good visit to South Carolina, had his his parents there. Of course, his brother was there as well. He went to Tennessee Tech as a quarterback in 2022 and redshirted. Then he moved to secondary last spring, so he's kind of new back there. But he's an athlete. He's got good size, and they like him playing most anywhere in the secondary. He feels good about South Carolina right now. He's got the family. He's got the brother. He is going to take an official to FAU Wednesday and then one to West Virginia this coming weekend. Offensive tackle, 
Elijah Thurman of Hinesville, Georgia, said this afternoon he's moved his commitment announcement date to December 20th. Originally, it was today, and Clemson, the big favorite to land him. Former Clemson offensive guard Mitchell Mays and former Gamecock defensive tackle DeAndre Martin, they're both transferring to Charlotte. You heard us talk to coach about quarterback Tyler Huff of Furman entering the transfer portal, John. Former Hammond running back C.J. Stokes of Michigan is in the portal, John. Former Gamecocks running back Mario Anderson named a top four, Oklahoma, Southern Cal, Memphis, and Cal. Marion cornerback Quasheed Scott announced Sunday sticking with his commitment to Kentucky after his official there over the weekend. He will not visit South Carolina this coming weekend. Gamecock target running back Daniel Hill took an official to Mississippi State over the weekend. He's also taken officials to USC, Alabama, Auburn, and Tennessee. UTEP transfer offensive lineman Justin Mayers, offered by the Gamecocks, committed to Colorado. Kansas State transfer cornerback Will Lee, offered by the Gamecocks, committed to Texas A&M. FIU transfer defensive tackle Jordan Girard, offered by the Gamecocks, committed to Minnesota. Former Clemson receiver Bo Collins committed to Notre Dame. Hampton City, uh, Hampton City, Hampton Sydney transfer receiver Jamadia Whitby, 6'4", 205, committed to Coastal Carolina, had 81 catches, 883 yards, and 18 touchdowns in his career. Other officials at USC this weekend, running back Oscar Attaway of North Texas, running back Elijah Green, North Carolina, running back Rocket Sanders, Arkansas, tight end Tyler Neville, Harvard, defensive tackle L.T. Overton, Texas A&M, his brother, defensive tackle Micaiah Overton of Texas A&M, Middle Tennessee State transfer offensive lineman Keelan Rutledge, planned to visit Clemson on Sunday. But he was involved in a traffic accident and could not make it in. He is planning on getting in later this week. Georgia Tech and Auburn are also involved. There you go with the recruiting report tonight here on Sports Talk for now. Remember to check it out regularly on our website, sportstalksc.com. On Twitter, use the hashtag STRecruiting. Ten minutes to go, nine minutes to go, and Clemson's up two to nothing. You think you go to the four corners? <laughs> I think you so. Put, I think if that's you what put they tell. Somebody in each of the four corners and just kick it around the field. Well, that's what they tell them to do. I think is kick it on on your offensive side of the field. Kick it towards the far end and roll it down to the corner. Stay in bounds, but yeah, just bleed clock. It's exactly what you do. By the way, quick question about recruiting and the official visits and the transfer portal that occur on a Wednesday. I'm guessing those aren't the same sort of wine and dine type things that we normally expect to see, you know, in a normal recruiting season, right? Well, it's exam week going on some places, but, I mean, right. you, you still take them out for dinner. You still pay for it. Okay. You still pay for their travel. Oh, yeah, yeah, everything's covered, mm-hmm. and you take them out for dinner and do all that kind of stuff. I don't know that you're limited. I mean, the coaches have to come off the road because they're on the road. Coaches have to come off the road to entertain you. All right, uh, Jacksonville leading South Carolina State in hoops, 40-32 to 32 tonight over in Orangeburg. Packers and Giants. Why are there two NFL games tonight? It's <laughs> a great question. I, I mean, mean it really seriously. Is. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense because, as you mentioned off air earlier, you're splitting your audience, and that's the last thing the NFL wants. Or maybe they just look at the combined audience that they're selling to their awesome. advertisers. Look, Perhaps. you know, yep. we got 40 million people watching our two games tonight. <laughs> 39 million watching the Packers and the, the Giants. <laughs>
Okay, everybody, y'all have a great night. Pull for the Packers. We'll see you tomorrow.